Uh, Jesus, you deserve all glory, honor, and praise. We get to praise you not just today, but for all eternity because you are alive. Thank you for coming, for giving your life for us, for rising again from the dead, that we might be transformed by you. As we continue this party for you, this celebration for you, may you speak to our hearts and our minds. And may we leave here changed, renewed, lighter, because we met with you, the living God who loves us. In Jesus' mighty name, and everybody said, amen. amen. You may have a seat. And happy Resurrection Sunday again. I don't feel like I can say that enough. For one, the fact that this is the first year we got to meet together, we didn't get to meet in person last year, what a privilege this is. That we get to gather together. So thank you for joining us here. Thank you for those who are joining us online. He is risen. Let's try that again. He is risen. Amen. Amen. We're going to open up that story in just a moment. Looking at this powerful story that we're still talking about 2,000 years later. But first, Jesus. All right. Hope. Okay, cool. Just make sure we're with it. Before we dive into this story, I always find it interesting what strangers like to talk about. Some of you are thinking, Kirk, this is Boston. Strangers don't talk. <laughs> <laughs> or when they do talk, they're not always very friendly. I get it, right? Like, there's some truth to that. But in the 10 years or so uh, that my wife Shelby and I have lived in New England, Boston area, We've encountered quite a few chatty New Englanders who, whether in the grocery store checkout line, the coffee shop, they come up to us and want to talk about what? Weather, right? Red Sox. Or in my case, they always bring up like, where are you from? Once they hear my southern accent. But whatever they want to talk about, it's normally just because they want to make that quick, easy connection. And I love it personally. I love talking to random people, getting to know their stories. But one might think that at, in a year of a pandemic, that a lot of these conversations with strangers would just stop. But in my experience, it's been very much the opposite. Very much the opposite. I found just as many chatty New Englanders in a pandemic, even through a mask. But this time, instead of wanting to talk about weather or sports, the subject has changed. And almost every time that I've had a chance to talk to a stranger, it's almost always been about the pandemic, about the virus, or something to do with that. I remember meeting a woman over here at the North Reading High School track. I was doing my thing, she was doing her thing, and she just came right by and just said, I have debilitating anxiety. <laughs> it's like, oh man. I met a woman at a coffee shop who just started talking to me openly about how her mom was in an assisted living facility and how she can't visit. Another woman in a grocery store checkout line who started going off on the government. Oh, the cashier was just like, I just want to go home. <laughs> home. And I don't have a mask that reads pastor on it, right? Like, like, I didn't invite any of this. It's just real people trying to process to, like, 
something that none of us have ever been through before. And apparently they needed to process it so badly that they would leave their homes in a pandemic and through a mask talk to a stranger like me in New England. But truth is, I can't blame them. And can any of us blame them? Other people may not want to talk to strangers, but they're certainly willing to put all over the social media world all the stuff they're going through. Because we all, in some shape, form, or fashion, need to process this year, this strange mixture of frustration, pain, grief, fear, and even sometimes despair. And the reason why I'm laying this out for us this morning, because Easter is, as we know, a time of hope. It's a day where we celebrate new life. But after a year like the one we've had, I could see how easy it would be after so much loss and disappointment to just want to guard ourselves against hope. And if that's something that you're feeling this morning, if, that, if you're in that place where you're having a hard time with hope, I want us to look at this resurrection story again. Because 2,000 years ago, we meet three women, two named Mary, one named Salome, who were feeling very similar as they got up on that Sunday morning and walked to Jesus' tomb just after the sun had risen. See, as these women were walking to the tomb, they were recounting, reminiscing that two days before their Lord, their healer, their teacher, their friend, the one who truly loved them more than anyone ever had, had been executed by the vile Romans on a cross. And after that, the disciples, Jesus' disciples, had fled and they were running and they did not know where they were. They were in total fear. And for these women, this was their Messiah. This was their Savior. This was the one who was coming to rescue them. With Jesus, they felt hope for the first time in a long time. But now he was in a tomb. And the tomb had a thousand pound stone wedged over its entrance. And so I can imagine for these women on the way to that tomb that day, they felt like they were in a tomb of their own. When Jesus died, it would have felt like the lights completely went out in their lives. And as the lights went out in their lives, can some of us relate to possibly how they felt? Some certainly more than others. But do you know how it is when you experience that deep pain how you feel like it will never really get better. Sometimes in the middle of pain, it can feel eternal. And we start wondering, will it ever get better? Will it ever really be okay? Will anything ever lift? And we even start to wonder, in the midst of all of that, does God see? Has God forgotten? Is he even still here? Why? And yet these women, in the midst of all their pain and all the despair, similar to how many of us have felt, they're on their way to the tomb, and in their grief, they just want to express it in the best way they can. They couldn't talk to strangers about it. <laughs> because, well, strangers, you couldn't talk about Jesus. It's not exactly popular. 
But at the same time, they realized the only thing they could do in the midst of the grief was to take the oil and spices and to anoint Jesus' body, which was a customary practice for any righteous Jew who passed away that they would be anointed. And so here they were, quiet, sullen faces, carrying the spices and tomb on the way. And as they're just almost at the tomb, they think to themselves, oh, there's a stone in the way. They think about that. Who's going to move it? And as they look up, though, what did they see? And I want you guys to lean in here. Because when they are in the bottom of despair, God surprises us with hope. You guys are with it right now. I love it. As they looked up, they saw that the tomb, the immovable stone, was moved. And there, sitting inside that tomb, was a man dressed in a white robe. So this past December, my wife, three kids, and I, we were in quarantine for three straight weeks. I tested positive about December 9th or so, and then a week or so later, one of my daughters tested positive. So it was from about December 10th all the way until New Year's Day that my wife, my seven, six, three-year-old kids... And I were all stuck in quarantine. Now, I don't have to tell anyone in here, that's a long time to be stuck inside, especially for kids. So Shelby and I decided, hey, let's surprise the kids. For about two years, our daughters have been asking us, Dad, can we get a pet? 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 And we would say, maybe one day, maybe one day, maybe one day, maybe one day, maybe one day. Right? You know what parents say because they don't want to disappoint, but they also don't want to commit. Right? That was our answer. Maybe one day. But after two weeks of quarantine, you will do anything. And Shelby looked at me and she said, Kirk, let's get these kids a quarantine kitten for me. I mean the kids. To surprise the kids. Surprise the kids. And so after my quarantine was up, I secretly went out and met somebody who was selling this kitten, put that kitten, tucked her in my coat jacket. And went home. And the whole way home, I had this giddy excitement. Because I couldn't wait to see my kids' faces. And this is exactly what I imagine that angel in the tomb felt like that day as he was waiting for the women to arrive. I think this angel was trying to play it cool. He was practicing his lines. He was adjusting his white robe, sitting there. Trying to make sure that he had it all down for when they came in. And when the women finally showed up and they saw this man sitting there, they were nearly scared to death. But ironically, that's when he says, don't be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth who is crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go tell his disciples and Peter. And how did these women respond in this life-altering moment? Probably like I would or any of us would. They were shaking, terrified, ran away screaming and didn't tell anybody. <laughs> but in the bottom of their despair, when hope seemed too good to be true, God revealed that he was never out of control 
and that he was at work even in death. And that even when the powers of evil threw their worst at Jesus, the Almighty triumphed even over death in a way that only he could. And the reason why we celebrate this still over 2,000 years later is not just because we get to look back at Jesus did this cool trick. We look back and realize that if he's alive, it changes everything for us today. Everything for us today. And see, what we just read in this story is a depiction of what happened. What the angel told the women is what happened, but he didn't yet explain why. And we don't get an immediate answer as to why, but the question is, why? Why would Jesus undergo the horror of a cross to then rise from a grave? Because the day that Jesus walked out of that grave, he opened up life for each of us now and forever. See, when Jesus rose from the grave, he restored the life of God to us. See, as human beings, we aren't just physical beings with bodies. We are spiritual beings too, with souls. Meant to be in connection to the God of holy love who created us. We were not meant to be people who died, but who live forever with him. But even though that is what we were meant for, what we were made for, what we have experienced instead, what is normal for us is an ache for life. We ache for joy, for peace, for love, for hope. We ache for it because we know that something is not as it should be. Be. We want to be good, loving people, but instead we experience pride, fear, bitterness, jealousy. And the Bible says that the reason this is, is because instead of being rooted in, grounded in, connected to God and live for God, instead all human beings have sought to live for themselves. And we've looked to everything else outside him for life. For example, if I took this flower and I pulled it up by its roots and I tried to plant it in this carpet right here, what would happen to the flower? It would die. Kids, what would happen to the flower? It would die. <laughs> Correct. It, was, it wouldn't die though right away. It would slowly start to die. And this is exactly what happens to us when our souls, our spirits are disconnected from the God who gives us life. We are left with death. And no matter how many relationships you have, how much money you accumulate, how much success you attain, how much pleasure you seek, our souls will end up hungry again and again because it has not been rooted in the giver of life. But Jesus came. And he came with the proclamation, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. That when we saw Jesus, when we read about Jesus, 
we see that while we did not know where to find God, he was born among us. When we failed to give our lives to God, he gave his life for us to forgive us. And when we had no life in and of ourselves, he rose again to offer us his life. That Jesus came to live among us that we might see who our God is. That he gave his life for us to forgive us and make us right with God. And then he rose again that we might know his life within us and be forever his people rooted in him. And why would he do all of this? Because he loves you that much. Because he wants you to experience his life that badly. So how do we receive that life? Well, Jesus said it. It's belief. That God's life is not something that we can earn by being a good enough person on our own. But the life of God is something that comes within us at when we believe. The moment we believe. Like the moment a bride and groom say, I do to one another and their marriage begins. The moment we say to Jesus, I believe our relationship with God begins. And his promise is, is that the spirit of Jesus comes to animate, reside in our souls. Christ in us, the hope of glory. And guys, these aren't just cute stories. These aren't just theory. I could point in this room to, I won't, but I could point to individuals in this room and tell many stories of how Jesus has transformed real lives in here. You see, the life of Jesus doesn't just come within us as an insurance plan for when we physically die. It is within us now, transforming us and working within us. I could tell you my own story about an anxious, insecure kid who hated himself, but how God showed me how to root my identity in him, one that will never spoil or fade. I could look in this room and point to the addicts who have found freedom in Jesus, those who were once anxious and found peace in Jesus. I see the, I've had the privilege of seeing those from abused backgrounds meet the healing love of Jesus, those who were grieving find the nearness of God's Spirit. Many of you could share your own story in here. As a matter of fact, next Sunday, we have several people who have asked to be baptized. So we're going to have a baptism service next Sunday, which is their public way of saying, I'm no longer who I was, but Jesus has changed me. This isn't cute stories. This isn't religious exercise. This isn't theory. Jesus truly is the resurrection and the life. And when Jesus lives in us, there is always hope now and forever. I know this year has felt long and hard. In many ways, it's felt like a long, incessant winter. But as we look outside and we see the green starting popping through the ground, the buds showing up on the trees, the flowers beginning to bloom, it's a physical, tangible reminder to us that no matter how long and hard things may seem, that his new life is here. 
And when we've decided to follow Jesus, when we believe and given our lives over to Jesus, his promise is that even death is not a period, it's a to be continued. So I cannot end an Easter celebration without asking you, has there been a moment in your life when you consciously said to Jesus, I believe in you, forgive me, I want your life in me. If you've never said that before and you're not really sure how, then I'm going to say a prayer at the end of this sermon. I, just to give expression, I encourage you to pray that with me. Pray that with me. If you're not so sure, but you're intrigued by Jesus, but you're not so sure about it all yet, I want you to lean in. I would encourage you, go to our website, trinitynr.org, fill out the digital connect card there. That'll give the pastors and I your information so that we can reach out to you, we can start a conversation with you, ask any questions, just get to know you. If, that, if you're still not ready to do that, Go to our website, and under a tab that says, Who is Jesus? You'll find those two short videos about who is Jesus and what does it mean. What is, this, what is the Bible? And please, join us again next week. Next week, we're going to be diving into the Gospel of Mark. We saw the end of the story. We're going to go back to the beginning of the story of Jesus and follow his story through in a series we're calling Following Jesus. Lean in, learn, grow, ask questions. But what is the next step for you? For those of you who've been walking with Jesus for a long time, you understand what we're talking about. Perhaps the next step for you is just to share your transformation story with somebody. But when Jesus lives in us, there is always hope now and forever. So if you've never received Jesus, if there's never been a moment in time when you've received him and his life for you, I want to ask that you pray this prayer with me now. Everybody bow your heads. If you've never given your life to Jesus, just pray, say, Jesus, I believe that you died for me. I believe you rose again. I believe you love me. Forgive me for my sin. I want your new life. Teach me to live my life rooted in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer and that's the first time you've ever prayed it, <laughs> you belong to Jesus. And we believe that his, if you sincerely meant it, that his spirit, his life is residing within you now. I would encourage you, tell somebody. The other two pastors and I, right after the service, we're going to be in the grassy area right outside. I encourage you, come by, see us, say hi. We'd love to meet you, talk with you, and just tell us that you gave your life to Jesus. Or if you're watching online, fill out a connect card and tell us that you gave your life to Jesus. But we want to follow up with you. But for all of us, let's stand. Let's sing. Let's celebrate that because he lives, we live. Because he lives, he's broken off the power of fear, of shame, of guilt, 
of separation from God. Lord God, I pray over all of those here. Lord, that you do a mighty work in their lives. That after a year like the one we've had, Lord, that if fear has been clouding our ability to see clearly, God, that you'll break that off, that we might see your love instead. Lord, that if, if depression is seeking to weigh people down, Lord, that you breathe your life into their minds and their physical bodies. Lord, for those dealing with physical ailments, that you would heal them and encourage them. For those who are grieving, Lord, that you would comfort them, come alongside of them, because you are alive. You are with us, and you are in us. And I pray that we would receive that and walk in the full power of that. In your name, out of love for you, we love you so much, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Let's sing together.